Hello and welcome to the next edition of this Harrington Star podcast. Whether it's Fintech Focus TV you're listening to or our diversity and inclusion specials, we hope you're enjoying the shows and please do subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today, we are joined by Vanessa Vallely, OBE, for services to women and the economy. She is the CEO and founder of WeAreTheCity.com. WeAreTheCity was launched in April 2008. Vanessa's corporate experience stems from a 25-year career in banking, holding roles such as head of governance, business management, and COO. She's worked for Aviva, RBS, BlackRock, and Barclays, and was awarded OBE in 2018. So she's here today to share her story with us. Welcome, Vanessa. Hello, Nadia. Thank you. What a lovely welcome. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you. So tell us all about We Are The City, please. Oh, where do I start? Do you know, so when you was reading that intro, I was like, oh my God, that makes me feel well. 2008, that was a lifetime away. Um, so where did it all begin? I think it began with my frustration around my leadership table, the lack of women that were there. So I was kind of looking, I've been on many, many different leadership teams. Invariably, I was the only woman felt my opinions were slightly different. I saw things from different viewpoints. And I always kind of thought, well, wouldn't it be great if there were more women in the room that kind of thought like me or, you know, had their attitudes towards things like risk and, and stuff. So the frustration kind of started there. And then that led me to thinking, what could I do? And I was um, actually away with my husband and I was moaning the fact that there wasn't a website for me. You know, I work in the city 12 hours a day. Where's my feed of inspiration? Um, I think there was, um, here is the city at the time, which was great, but it was just like, you know, gossipy stories and, and stuff from around the city. But I wanted something that would be just for women to inspire, motivate them, but above all, to give access to resources. And there was nothing there. So I was running to him saying, you know, where's my website? And then we had a bottle of wine and we drew, if we was going to build a website, what that would be like on an A5 piece of paper. And you know, it's like the more wine you drink, the more you think you're going to solve world peace. Yeah, um, You know, this website everything. Um, and then we flew, we flew back and I went back to work and I didn't really think any more of it. And then he sent me an email and he bought me two website domains and he put on it, let's do something about it. And I remember receiving that email. So he, Mr. We Are The City, was the one that kind of drove me to build something so and, and you've got to remember back in 2008 you know gender wasn't on anyone's agenda really the, you know diversity wasn't even a term yeah. so there wasn't much going on for women in fact there wasn't much going on for anyone because it was recession you know as I often say we were lucky if we had plants in the office let alone training courses or anything like that mm. but we built the website it was very sparse it was on a really old crickety website builder you know it used to take us two days to do a newsletter and by the time we'd done it it was kind of out of date um, but that's kind of where it where it began and it you know it's always had that purpose at its heart to to inform women about things they can do for their for themselves in terms of driving their own careers um I suppose the difference is these days it's just got massively bigger and obviously now we've got the sister site we are tech women so at least it, it's got a friend amazing amazing so it's really good to hear like where it came from because I think there's um there's a lot of things out there now 
But as you say, back in 2008, there was nothing to talk about. Like diversity wasn't spoken about. It was probably anti-diversity back then. So for you to found this and get it moving, um, it's a great story to hear. Um, What about um, your journey to, to what you do in the business right now because I can imagine that you were as you said you were doing all the newsletters back then in 2008 what does your role look like now well I mean in about seven years ago we got a little bit of investment into the business which enabled me to get an office my PA from Aviva came left her job and she came to join me because she lived locally too so we then hired up a team some of them are still with me today um, of about there's about six of us so my day very much shifts from being everything, being like the CTO, the CMO, you know, the the whole C-suite and the tea lady and the one who, you know, does all the admin as well to more strategic. So it's more now thinking, you know, this is where I kind of have space to come up with ideas. So it's thinking like, for example, four years ago when we decided to set up We Are Tech Women, you know, there's a huge gap in the market. There's 17% of women in tech. What could we do? Okay, we're creating an exact replica of We Are The City, but purely for women in tech. So it's having that team now, and that's those wonderful staff that I've got, that gives me that thinking time to come up with new ideas and respond to things in the industry where gender parity is a real issue. So yeah, I do a lot of stuff. So strategically thinking about kind of We Are The City, and then lots of other things like sitting on different boards, taking part in podcasts. I do a lot of public speaking off the back of the book. Um, but yeah, lots of different hats going into schools. That's the one thing I've really missed during lockdown is being able to get in and get amongst those kids and talk to them and dispel some myths about kind of, you know, the world of work. Amazing. Cause it, that's interesting. You say that dispel some myths, cause I think there's a lot of perceptions about the city and about uh, technology in the city. Really, it's really important too to be able to go to people and dispel those myths. So there's something I know you're really passionate about um, and that's sponsorship over mentoring can you share a little bit about that with us so there's i mean it's been this kind of concept has been bubbling for a few years a great book called forget a mentor find a sponsor by sylvia and hewlett and she's part of a big us think tank but kind of i read that book and i totally resonate with what it's saying so and there's lots of other headlines you know women are over mentored and under sponsored and the thing is the mentorship don't get me wrong i'm a huge advocate i'm i've a beneficiary of mentoring and i mentor a number of others as well and have done for years but the sponsorship part is so important because when you have someone that sponsors you in an organization they are opening doors of opportunity for you when you're not in the room so this is when somebody understands what you're about they've seen your work demonstrated they're prepared to put their credibility and their own integrity on the line in order to throw your name into the ring you know in terms of an opportunity so it's that kind of thing that sponsorship that sharing of experience opening up your network to that particular individual to enhance their network to me that sponsorship model if we had that in our organizations where different cohorts of women or individuals from underrepresented backgrounds were taken under the wing of a senior leader that understood what good sponsorship looks like the visibility of that is incredible in terms of what that could do for those individuals careers And also they learn that model. So as they go up into more senior positions, they too sponsor that next generation or that next level of talent. So that's where I think we're missing a trick. Mentorship is great from an SME soundboard. This is what you can do, you know, in a particular situation. But 
the sponsorship stuff often goes on when you're not in that particular place, when you're not in that room. And that is, let's say, is incredibly powerful. Yeah, it sounds incredibly powerful. And I love just listening to that, you explaining that model the way that you have done, because a lot of the listeners on this podcast series do talk to me about mentoring. Mentoring is a huge thing at the moment, as you know, but being able to say that there's another step to this and there's more action that can be taken from it is really, really helpful. And, and I know a lot of people will, will now turn that into action, which is what this is all about. Um, so, you know, I, I've looked into a lot of what you do. Um, I love what you do. I know you've got some upcoming awards. Why don't you tell us all about them? So we've got, we've just finishing out, every year we do two sets of awards and these are all part of a strategic objective to highlight women below director level. So what I'm trying to do with the awards is to showcase the pipeline of women. So these, because in the industry, you know, senior women, because they're role models, but they get a lot more attention, like with some of the awards, whereas we wanted to focus on the women that are on their way. So Rising Stars covers 20 different industries. We've been doing that for the best part of six years. We've got 650 Rising Stars as alumni. And then we have the Tech Women 100 Awards, which happen at the latter part of the year. And that's what we're just about to open on the 3rd of August. So I'm on the hunt for 100 incredible women that work in tech or on the periphery of tech. Doesn't matter what industry they're from. Doesn't matter if they're an entrepreneur or a startup or in the, they're in a corporate role in tech. But I'm looking for nominations for those women. I'm particularly interested in, A, I mean, obviously they've got to be doing their job and doing that exceptionally well. Um, but I'm interested in what else they're doing for society, for their industry. So anyone with kind of extracurricular activities, if you like, is going to shine. There's going to be more of a kind of shine spotlight on those individuals because we're a big believer. We are the city. We are tech women and me personally in how we pay it forward. So that's the kind of individuals we're looking for. So there'll be the big nominations that open on the 3rd of August. Um, I believe they close at the beginning of September. Our judges are incredible. They're like the creme de la creme industry judges um, from all different backgrounds that will look at that list. We normally get a good thousand nominations. Um, mm -hmm. We'll have a short list. We'll have the winners. And this year, obviously, it's all virtual because of what's going on. So we'll have the virtual awards, um, which will be amazing. And again, we've got our rising star ones of those next Friday. So, But it's, it's been really interesting to do it all virtually. If anything, I think we've created much more deeper relationships with the winners yeah. um, than what we would have because we've got to talk to them on Zoom. I mean, all of our awards are supported by a number of business schools. So you've got Oxford said for Rising Stars, you've got Durham University for uh, the tech women. So there's lots of other things. We're not just an organisation that gives an award and then we disappear off. You know, they get access to all of our events. You know, anything that we're doing, we continue to interview them. So it's, we're very invested in our winners. Um, and it's amazing because they all help each other. They're like one big family. So actually, I've spent the last two days on calls with uh, both the winners from Tech Women this year, 2019's winners, and our rising stars from this year. So it's very inspiring two days, finding out what they've been up to since the awards. Yeah, I bet. I bet that's brilliant to hear that. Like, because the thing is, when someone wins an award, it's sort of looking back at what they've done, and then just to hear like what they're about to go and do, and what their plans are, and what they've done since. I love that. So that's brilliant. Um, now, you know, this podcast—it's very much about us working to a more diverse workforce. 
um, I know that's very much in line with what you're doing. I wanted to hear your sort of walk the talk top tips. Um, I know that's a question that's asked often, um, but the thing that I'm really, really focused on are actions over, over just talking. So, which is why I call it walk the talk. And I know that with in your position, you have such vast visibility of people that are really making change happen. So, I wanted to hear what's what's really stood out for you. I haven't, in all fairness. I mean, I know a lot of the corporates, our clients in particular, you know, when COVID first hit, it was a case of, you know, just, I think it's such a shock to everyone. So it was more of a case of kind of looking after their teams, um, you know, making sure that everyone was okay. What are we going to do as a business? How do we survive? How do we mobilize an at-home workforce overnight? So I've heard some great stories of, you know, how they've kept people engaged you know, some funny things about what people are doing on Zoom, you know, even like cook-offs and stuff like that. I think in, in terms of what I've seen, it's very much more of a focus on culture and the culture of the organisation while we all go through this challenging time together. So it's been less about work hard, presenteeism hours, and more about the well-being of our teams. How do we operate in this new normal, whatever it looks like? So it's a bit difficult to see what, because no one's really out of the woods yet in terms of having a best practice case study of what someone's done particularly well. But from what we're hearing from a number of calls, even with our rising stars, even with people that work for, you know, all of the different organisations, is how much focus there's been and how much more time they've spent with their line managers as well as line managers check in on people, you know, as CEOs do world addresses. And, you know, normally you would see a CEO at a town hall but some of these companies, they're coming on every single week. So I've, what I have seen is a huge shift in culture. And I think if anyone, if any company's not done that, you know, now is definitely the time to kind of play catch up. Because as we all adapt to whatever the future looks like, you know, that culture, those who have been visible, you know, and that culture piece will be so important as we try and get people back to work. You know, and as people, when the good times come, decide who they're going to stay with and who they don't. So the kind of war for talent as well. I'm really pleased you've mentioned that war for talent um, because I, I absolutely agree. Um, there'll either be a mass exodus after this or people will be more loyal than ever to their to their company. So I think it's so, so... If you don't feel looked after, mm. you know, you're kind of right. I mean, a lot of people would probably think, well, I'm going to ride this storm, the market's but quiet you know I'm not going to go out there and look for another job but once things come back I'm out of here because of the way that I've been treated you know and the way that we've been and I think as I say there's some of those companies that put the business before the people and don't get me wrong we all have to survive as a business but your business is your people you yeah. know so to me it's a natural let's look after them and, and from what I gather I mean I've spoken to so many people Everyone's sort of adapted. It was so hard in the beginning because if you've not worked from home or you're not set up to work from home, you've got your kids there, you know, for, for parents, you know, it was so difficult to just make that shift to all of a sudden everyone's at home and how do I adapt to this new working practice? So, you know, I think the whole of the, the country, you know, the whole of the world has, has done an amazing job. If you think, if we tried to put something like that in, it would take years, yeah. years and years and years. Yet we did it. Over, we did it almost overnight. Yeah, so incredible, really. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the history. That's the piece. Obviously, you know, from a workplace perspective, I think there'll be a lot more conversations around. Whereby before we said, "Oh, we can't do that," 
So take, for example, banks. So we can't have trading floors. We can't have traders working from home due to regulations and stuff like that. And yet banks moved their entire trading floors off yeah. and they still survived, you know? So I think what the, uh, if, if any positive has kind of come out of it, it's the fact that people can work from home. They can work flexibly. Don't get me wrong. Working flexibly doesn't mean managing your kids as well, right? That's not the model. Um, but I think it also opens up a lot more conversations around what we can do and how agile we can be within our organizations. That's the bit I'm interested in. What happens when we all go back? Surely we don't shift back into this mad world of, you know, eight till six and some for some industries, you know, and everyone's kind of being in the office. I really hope we don't slip back to that. So I think there's so much that you've said today that people want to hear more about. How can people get involved with your networks and your virtual webinars? So we are the city. One of the first things we did during, uh, during lockdown is we spun up these We Are Virtual webinars and we asked a, a load of speakers that we've worked with in the past, amazing, incredible people to come and give us an hour of their time to motivate and help people that were working from home. We're now on about number 45 of them. So we've been running three a week and that's how many kind of people come forward to help. And that was so lovely because they was giving their time you know, to help others. So you can visit those We Are Virtual. We've recorded every single one. So they run um, three a week. In fact, there's even one running today on COVID and its effect on women. Um, so they're completely free. You can access them via We Are The City. You can join up to a newsletter on We Are The City that tells you what we're doing, but also what everyone else is doing. So it's a really good broad brush. You know, we use our audience to contribute towards you know, like survey results. And, they, and we always get the results back of them. Like, what's it really like for women in the workplace? So you can join up to the newsletter there or if text your thing. You know, obviously nominations open for the awards on the 3rd uh, of August. We've also got um, a sign up for a newsletter on tech. So you've got all of that side as well. You can follow us on Twitter. So we are WATC underscore updates for the we are, uh, we are the City site or WATC underscore We Are Tech for the tech site. And then I'm on there, believe it or not, as WATC underscore girl. You can see when I set up my Twitter account when I was a girl. Maybe <laughs> I need to change it. <laughs> no, never change it. I've got very... No, maybe I say being a girl. <laughs> yeah, keep it that. It's, it's how you feel, isn't it? Um, and it tells a story as well as of when, when it was set up. Um, I've got to say, Vanessa, that was a brilliant, brilliant um, podcast. I really appreciate you sharing all of that with us because I know the listeners, they come from all sorts of backgrounds. Um, people that want to work in the city or, or currently are in the city. Uh, we've got a lot of women followers who are interested in technology or already in senior positions in technology and are thinking, how can I um, achieve more and, and help? the industry as a whole move to better parity so um, there's a lot of key takeaways um i'll make sure that uh, when i post this pod that I, I have a mention for your nominations and i will definitely definitely talk about your model of sponsorship over mentoring because i think that would be something that a lot of people will be able to really put into practice quite quickly so thank you for your story it's been a pleasure having you on the women of fintech podcast series thanks for having me <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,